Hey, Michelle. Hey, Greg. You know who's awesome? Who? Eastern Script, because they're now a paid advertiser and they're just awesome anyway. Eastern Script has been preparing script clearance reports for almost 30 years and title searches for almost 20 years. From feature-length films to animated shorts, from TV series to webisodes, Eastern Script has got you covered. Go to easternscript.com where you can read their new ebook, Script Clearance 101, to find out why their work has been called the gold standard of legal research in production offices throughout North America. Once again, that's easternscript.com, easternscript.com. Hi, and welcome back to Legal Cut Pro, the Canadian entertainment law podcast. My name is Greg Pang. And I'm Michelle Molyneux. And in today's podcast, we are picking up where we left off last time in our last episode, where we ran out of time to talk about guidelines versus the law in shooting during a pandemic. And we also will have a little bit of fun talking a little bit about hearsay. Definitely. But first, we need to do a shout out. Our editor is Jane Toogood. You can find her on Instagram at JJ underscore Toogood. Thank you so much to Jane for all of her continuing great work on the pod. Let's dive right into it, Michelle, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First off, let's talk about guidelines. First, what are guidelines? Just generally, what are guidelines? Guidelines are a form of direction or I guess suggestion. They're not binding and they're not enforceable and they're not mandatory. Basically, they're a plan or an expectation that can guide you in setting standards or determining a course of action. So I like to think of a guideline sort of maybe similar to when you go to a yoga class and the instructor tells you to say, do a forward fold and touch your toes. And I feel like a really a good yoga instructor is going to be like, and maybe you will now forward fold and reach your toes. But there's no consequence. You don't have to touch your toes. You probably won't touch your toes. <laughs> but they're, they're suggesting or they're guiding you, much like a guideline. Maybe about 20 years ago, I could come closer to touching my toes. But uh, yeah, that's definitely, um, if, I, if I were forced to do that, I'd probably tear something fierce. Uh-oh, don't do that, Greg. <laughs> I, will I will give you a guideline to please do not tear something. <laughs> Sounds good. So those are guidelines. And now what about the law? So law, very generally, very high level, bodies of rules that have defined consequences if not followed. Now, for example, government creates a law around the speed of a motor vehicle. So there are specific consequences if you break that or caught breaking that speed limit, a fine in the specified amount, and you have to pay up or face the consequences. And the thing is with guidelines versus the law, and I'm not sure if that's the best way to title uh, this section of our episode, guidelines versus the law. If merely following the law doesn't make you necessarily an upstanding citizen. And I'll give an example, an analog to criminal law, something that uh, you know, like you're familiar with, Michelle, in, in your line of work, you know, murder and assault. Just because you did, don't commit murder or an assault, that should not be the, the bar in which upstanding citizens are defined. You, know, you can still be cheating and lying, but you are not an upstanding citizen or good citizen merely by the fact that you have not committed murder or assault. 
So merely following the law, and this is why we thought that this would be a good topic, is that merely following the law to its bare minimum with respect to COVID and shooting during COVID is not enough. You know, that's why we have guidelines that have been put in place to assist us to be us as an independent producers, to be the, the you know, good producers, to safeguard uh, the health and safety of uh, their crew and cast. Definitely, Greg. And what I find really interesting is the, the guidelines themselves have been continually evolving since COVID began. So in the very beginning, you know, we started off with uh, our guidelines. They were suggesting don't wear masks. You don't need to. And then it evolved to, okay, any kind of face covering, you want to make something, wear a bandana, that's going to be helpful. Now we've gone towards requiring masks, PPE in certain areas, having that as mandatory. And it, it still keeps evolving because now, now they're actually suggesting, I've heard, saying bandanas, um, certain kinds of one-layer one masks are not good enough, that you want triple-layer masks. So these guidelines and suggestions of what good practice would be of keeping everyone safe is just continually evolving right now. Exactly. And the, the reason for that, and I, I'm not a scientist. I think you are. Are you a scientist too, Michelle? Or no? Of course I am, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. No. <laughs> well, we're not scientists, but the, what I understand, the scientific process is that, you know, this, is, this was a novel coronavirus when it hit, right? Mm -hmm. So the scientific community, epidemiologists, were still finding out more about this. So that's why these things have been changing uh, it has been a source of frustration for a lot of people. It's like, okay, why did you say no masks before and then now masks? Well, a lot of things have changed and the guidance uh, and the advice from our health officials and uh, government have changed accordingly. So that's why you have seen, you know, as you just mentioned, the, the evolution, uh, I suppose, uh, of the guidelines uh, regarding COVID. Definitely. And I mean, I think it's definitely challenging for producers when these guidelines are always changing. So it's sort of like you're, you're trying to hit a moving target. But I think at the end of the day, everybody is just trying to do their best in figuring out how to navigate this. Exactly. So let's look at what's out there for Canada for these kinds of guidelines. Michelle, you had some notes um, that the CMPA has a, a really good page about the different guidelines in the different jurisdictions in the country. Yeah, yeah, the CMPA has a awesome page and it breaks down and gives you links to the different provinces and their health and safety guidelines. So I went in to take a peek at these and see how they differ, how they're similar, what provinces are offering in terms of guidelines. And it varies widely. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you've got BC has got this like super long detailed PDF that quite frankly, I started to try to read and then I was just like, oh, this is long. <laughs> <laughs> so, Agreed. yeah, <laughs> initially, I, I was really struck by the brevity of the Alberta guidelines. I thought, you know, these are really short and simple. So maybe that's easier for people to follow. Mm -hmm. But uh, giving them another read today before we record it, I'm like, these, these guidelines really don't offer much of anything. <laughs> no, they don't, eh? No, no, it's just, I mean, they've got the basic things like physical distancing, non-medical masks, um, they refer a lot to screening people to see if they've been out of country in 14 days. And I mean, I sort of wonder why that's relevant at this point when numbers are so high locally. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was very broad in general. Like it wasn't tailored much to the screen industries. 
They discuss things like props set in wardrobe to be sanitized after use. But for the most part, it's fairly general general guidelines that kind of almost apply to any industry. Yeah, exactly. And I see that um, for, I, I, t- I took a peek at those Ontario, uh, the Ontario ones. And I know that the, uh, the Alberta government has a two page PDF, uh, f- specifically for this uh, screen industries. But, you know, it's, like you said, it's still pretty generic and can be applied to multiple industries, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this looks like there has been at least some effort towards tailoring these guidelines. And, and here's what, uh, going back to guidelines versus the law, when I look at, say, for example, our jurisdiction, Michelle, regarding the laws and all the restrictions that are in place, even at, on this day, you know, mid-November of 2020, is that most of these restrictions, the, the stuff is legally enforceable restrictions, don't apply to, to shooting on a movie set. Mm-hmm. Any of these uh, um, gathering limits, you know, there's, there's social gathering limits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or indoor audience events. Well, that, this is not an indoor audience event when you're shooting a film. And other restrictions, like there are everything, a lot of what they have here for the screen industries in Alberta, at least, are suggestions, you know, suggestions, uh, you know, like you mentioned regarding PPE, uh, social distancing and stuff like that. But if we are to follow the bare minimum in Mm -hmm. Alberta uh, under the law for shooting on set, that is uh, like you are not going to do yourself a whole lot of favors in terms of, or at least I think that you could be uh, potentially in that negligence uh, area if you're just following what you exactly what you have to do and not what you should do under at least the Alberta restrictions. You know, that being said, though, the CMPA actually has some fantastic guidelines and suggestions. So better than what the provinces have offered. And it actually details things that are specific to the film industry. And so I really enjoyed, I guess we'll, we'll put that link up for everybody as well, because that one I think is really helpful for producers because it, it does go into each of the areas that are part of a film production and specific steps that you can do to help keep, keep your cast and crew safe. Exactly. Yeah, I, I went through that. Uh, I glanced at that rather, skimmed that uh, as well. Uh, are you talking about the Ontario one? I think it's the Ontario one, but it seems like the, the maybe the CMPA integrated the Ontario yes, one. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 So that's the one I was like, this is incredible. And I think it'd be just a fantastic resource for producers. And it's great because you can kind of, you can adapt it to the needs of your film. Yeah, I, I think I strongly would recommend everybody to check that one out. Um, I did pick out a few things that stuck out to me as interesting from that. I don't know. Do, do we have time for me to share that, Greg? Of course. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. One of the first ones I noted is they have some very specific hand washing instructions and that they suggest that you should train your crew and inform everybody on how to wash their hands and when to wash their hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I mean, I think is great, but also it's like, were we not washing our hands before? <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised, Michelle. Oh, oh. my God. Like, uh, okay, okay. Like, uh, uh, not to get gross, but, you know, like a lot of men, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, like, I can't say anything for women, but I know a lot of men, you know, throughout me growing up, I, I wash my hands with soap and water, right? Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> but I know, and some of these people I, I know personally who said that they will not, they didn't wash, uh, I remember this conversation, he's actually a friend of mine. It's like, you know, why, why aren't you washing with soap? He's like, I didn't piss on my hands. Oh, no. I'm like, dude. <laughs> oh. Dude. <laughs> just use the damn soap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Do people shake that hand that you were just 
had it on, oh. you know, th- that part, right? So mm-hmm. uh, use soap. Yeah. yeah. Especially now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's one that I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess we all need to go back to the, the basics. And yes. <laughs> basic washing. Interestingly, though, they mentioned for hair, makeup, and potentially wardrobe, if your lower arm is potentially going to become in contact with an actor, that they're responsible for washing or they suggest washing up to the elbow. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I I wouldn't have thought of that. But it is true, you know, when you're working within, like intimately within somebody's space, obviously that forearm area could still come in contact with someone. So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. We've got like hair, makeup, wardrobe. They're like surgeons now. You got to like (laughs) scrub in and scrub up and... So that was interesting. A few places have mentioned having staggered lunch breaks, which is something that makes sense to me because obviously people have to remove their masks to eat. So the fewer people you kind of have exposing to one another. But I would also think from a production standpoint, that's probably really challenging. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was actually on set uh, not too long ago. Um, and I remember taking that, that break for lunch. And luckily, it was a really small crew. It was like skeleton uh, level crew. Mm-hmm. So as for a, kind of a narrative um, documentary, uh, part, partly dramatized documentary uh, shoot. And uh, yeah, we were all spaced apart, right? And that's, a, that's the only time that we took off our masks was to eat. But I mean, th- that was okay, because it was just, just a small crew. And, uh, but I can imagine, yeah, it could be challenging um, and can extend uh, maybe the time for uh, the, the shooting day if you have to stagger your your lunches even more than than you did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these guidelines, days are probably longer or you're probably getting less footage covered in a day. Um, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's probably everything. It's, it's increased cost, increased time. Don't we all love COVID? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, and actually, this is a good... Oh, sorry, Michelle, you're about to say something else. The cameras are supposed to wear a mask. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> Kid, but they did say cameras should be two meters from performers. Uh-huh. And then I'm just kind of picturing like, oh, because you could get COVID from the camera. Like, I'm just picturing this poor little like coughing camera. It's like, I'm working so hard and I'm sick. <laughs> and that, that's, a, that's funny because it doesn't distinguish between, you know, the, the camera operators and, and camera crew uh, from the equipment itself, right? Because mm-hmm. I guess technically you could have like uh, cameras on, on what, what are those arms called again? Oh, like a jib? Yeah, jibs yeah. Uh, or, or, or like a robotic camera where you can have it much closer than two meters, mm-hmm. but you, you don't have a human um, closer than two meters uh, to the uh, performer. Right. Oh, yeah, that's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that? Yes. There's, there's sirens. <laughs> <laughs> They're not coming after me. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on. All right. Okay. Um, hearsay. Let's right. Use <laughs> these last two weeks about hearsay, which is a lot of fun. I know this is not exactly entertainment law, but it's just, it's been very entertaining <laughs> as, uh, well, as, as lawyers and those mm-hmm. of us who have, and every lawyer has to take evidence, right? Mm-hmm. 
And if you do any kind of litigation, whether criminal or civil litigation, you know about evidence and you know what hearsay is. So when this gets mentioned in the news, it's, it's kind of funny, a lot of people's reactions. And I will, uh, to give the listeners context, uh, this is about mm, our favorite um, president of the, the current president of the United States, his legal team or his campaign's legal team, uh, Donald Trump's legal team. They filed a whole bunch of lawsuits following um, the all the media um, projecting that the new president-elect is Joe Biden, right? So they're challenging in the courts on multiple fronts the results of the elections in, in uh, given states, in, in several states, rather. Mm-hmm. So in Michigan, this is pretty funny here, is that uh, the Michigan judge uh, threw out one of these lawsuits. So the judge issued a written opinion slamming the Trump teen's campaign campaign's case as based on inadmissible hearsay within hearsay. And the story goes on. I'll put a, a link to this in the show notes. The double hearsay in question came from, uh, I won't read the name, a designated poll watcher whose affidavit the campaign included to bolster its arguments, but her sworn testimony about scuttlebutt from an unidentified person failed to impress the judge. The assertion that this person was informed by an unknown individual, what other hired poll workers at her table had been told is inadmissible hearsay within hearsay, and the plaintiffs have provided no hearsay exception for either level of hearsay that would warrant consideration of that evidence. <sighs> Good gravy. <laughs> and that was, uh, yeah, uh, Judge uh, Cynthia, Michigan Judge Cynthia Stevens. That's uh, part of her written opinion there. Let's, uh, and, and I, this is interesting because this comes up every now and then in not hopefully not for many producers getting into litigation trouble or, or battles, but it could come up in terms of, you know, maybe it's part of the script, you know, some, some kind of courtroom drama or something like that. And hearsay could come up as you know, maybe part of the, uh, the dialogue or, or maybe an issue or something like that. So, but it's not very commonly understood. What is hearsay? Michelle, can you uh, let us know what is hearsay? I'll take a stab and see if I I say it clearly. But hearsay would be, I guess, if if I were to tell the listeners that I heard Greg say Legal Cut Pro is the best podcast ever, Mm -hmm. and it would become hearsay if I was making that statement to try and prove that Legal Cut Pro is the best (laughs) podcast ever. (laughs) So basically it's saying the the best source of evidence is coming from the person who has observed something. And observing someone else make a statement doesn't necessarily make that statement true. Exactly. And that's exactly what's happening here. You're hearing me say something Mm -hmm. and then you are saying it Mm -hmm. to try to prove the truth of its contents, Mm -hmm. right? So it's an, uh, I think one important element of this is that it's an out-of-court statement used to prove the truth of its contents. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a really good uh, example there. And in this situation um, with this poll watcher, it was basically someone who had sworn the affidavit saying that this is my evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So, but another poll worker told me what another poll worker heard at her table. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, that's like triple hearsay, right? Yeah. I am hearing what someone else told me they heard about someone, uh, what they heard yeah. themselves. So that, that was very in, inadmissible. And then uh, the, the judgment here, the decision mentions exceptions to hearsay. I know this is now we're, we'd be getting into the weeds of exceptions to hearsay, but there are exceptions to hearsay. And this is all subject to 
extensive uh, case law and, and legal tests and stuff like that. So we won't go through that. I just wanted to bring that up, like I said, because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Love it. I think uh, one one thing actually I should add is the reason that we have the rule against hearsay is because when someone is testifying in court, the court wants to be able to hear the evidence from the person who observed or is making the statement. And it's so that the court can observe that person and see, does this person look like they're telling the truth? And you can ask, or the court can ask questions of that person to say, well, you know, when did you observe the thing you observed? Let's exactly. That line. Yeah. That probably, I'm now I'm being confusing. But... No, no, I think that's perfect, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's just the importance of being able to question. So in the example of the election is the court would want to question the original person who observed some kind of fraud or observed something improper with the ballots, not someone who heard someone who heard someone who heard someone say that they heard <laughs> something's wrong yeah. with the, the ballots. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how all that turns out, but I guess well, that I'm, one got laughed out. That one got laughed out of court. So uh, <laughs> seems <laughs> like a lot so. of them are. <laughs> and, and you know what's even funnier is uh, you know for the listeners, there's a a Twitter account, uh, and you know take Twitter for what it is—a bit of a dumpster fire. I, I tried not to look at Twitter much anymore, but uh, there's a Twitter account called Bad Legal Takes. So that's at Bad Legal Takes, Ooh. and I found this was funny here. Here, I'll, I'll read you this, okay, Michelle? Okay. okay. So this person is making this argument. Third, they say a poll. Worker told a GOP observed that the poll. So this is what we're talking. They're commenting on this that a poll worker had been told by an unknown person to change the dates on some ballots. This is hearsay, and it's unclear from the complainant or from the complaint that they can prove this actually happened. And then someone replied, "It's not hearsay," and they misspelled hearsay. They misspelled hearsay. <laughs> if it's presented under oath, it's at that point witnessed. Oh, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much wrong about that. So that, that's yeah. that's a hard no right there. Um, I mean, yeah. that's uh, outright uh, uh, hearsay heresy there. Mm -hmm. When I first saw the word hearsay, I didn't know what it was. Right? I was like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, back in the law school, okay, what what is this hearsay? I thought it read heresy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? Why are we talking about heresy? What's this about? No, no, hearsay. Oh, no, no, not heresy. No, it's hearsay. Could be heresy, hearsay. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's heresy in the court of law to admit hearsay. <laughs> yeah, that except if you can prove and uh, make a, make an argument to yeah yeah, yeah. For, for one of the traditional or the, the hearsay exceptions. So, I was going to mention yeah. if anybody is interested in learning more about hearsay, there are some fantastic. I forget what he calls them, but they're, they're YouTube videos put out by Peter Sankoff. And he is an amazing evidence professor and he has a, a series of hearsay videos and they're complicated, but very interesting. So I wonder if we could uh, put that in the show notes for everyone. If you're just, if you feel like being a law nerd. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michelle, let's wrap it up. Please wash your hands, everyone. <laughs> That's right. 20 seconds. COVID or non. Let's see here. Please leave us feedback. Rate us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And where can people find us, Greg? They can find me by emailing me at greg at legalcutpro.com or you find me on Twitter, which I don't check often, but I still get the notifications at Cyclos, C-Y-C-L-A-W, your original cycling lawyer. And they can find you by emailing you at michelle at legalcutpro.com and on the gram at Michelle Molyneux. Did you know, Michelle, that... If I uh, ask Google to try to call you, it pronounces your last name as Michelle Molyneux. Oh, 
Michelle, and and, and if I change the accent, it says it a little bit differently. But anyway. Interesting. I think that might be how I'm actually supposed to pronounce my name. Molineux? Yeah, because it's French. Oh, yeah, of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but since I'm not French, I feel like it'd be kind of phony of me to be like, oh, Molineux. But I'm well, not well, French. So. You know what? You, you pronounce the, your name how you want. Like, uh, yeah, Do you know the, um, the old Green Bay Packers uh, quarterback, Brett Favre? Sports. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, before I was like, how, how can we be pronouncing it as Favre? It's Favre. But it's like, you know what? Whatever. He pronounces his name the way he wants to pronounce it, and I will pronounce it the way he wants to pronounce it, right? No, no need to be a snob about that, right? So, so Michelle, you pronounce your name the way you want it pronounced. Michelle Moneneux. <laughs> Parfait. Merci. Okay. So that's it for today. Uh, again, uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. A bientôt. Legal Cut Pro has been produced by Greg Pang and Michelle Molyneux. Excerpts of Just Say Go, Dr. Octavio Mendesity, mixed courtesy of Dr. Octavio and Michelle Molyneux. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated on it is to be construed as legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts of Legal Cut Pro and any guests are their own and do not represent the opinions of any organization or other person unless otherwise stated. Intro sound clip film projector countdown has been truncated from its original form and is copyright 2013 Ivan Gabovich used under creative commons dy3 license outro sound clip film projector reel runs out by stefan021 is used under creative commons cc01.0 license this podcast is copyright of red frame law and is licensed to you under creative commons attribution non-commercial cc bync 4.0 license for details of that license visit creativecommons.org